0: Welcome to the Whiteboard Session, Examining Our Faith, based on Luther's small catechism. This week, Pastor John continues our discussion on the Ten Commandments, and we focus on the Sixth Commandment, You Shall Not Commit Adultery. Let's listen in. Well, thank you everyone uh, for coming uh, here on our channel um, of uh, Faith Moorpark's Whiteboard Sessions. Um, I'm glad that uh, for all you uh, people who are listening Uh, that this may be a benefit to you um, as we look at God's Word today. And today, uh, we are speaking um, of the Sixth Commandment of God's gift of marriage. So, uh, before we begin, uh, why don't we have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we we thank you this day uh, for your Word, that your Word advises us, guides us to lead sexually pure and decent lives in what we say and do and that we honor our marriage uh, between husband and wife um, as you continue uh, to give us faith um, to, to love and serve um, those that you have placed in our lives. Lord bless us um, as we learn this commandment and may this be uh, of great joy as we see your design unfold in our lives. For all these things we are thankful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so um, before we start, I think when we talk about the Sixth Commandment, a God's gift of marriage, it reads, You shall not commit adultery. Now what does this mean? Uh, We should fear and love God so that we lead sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. So when we talk about God's a gift of marriage. Uh, this is the design that God has given to man. right? Um, uh, Genesis 1, 27, and verse 31 reads, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Uh, this is... The gift of marriage. Uh, Creating male and female, he created them. And therefore, just a couple of chapters later in Genesis 2, 24 to 25, we see the gift of marriage being uh, designed or unfolded by um, our architect, our father, Jesus Christ. It reads right there in verse 24 and 25 of chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother... And hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So when we look at the design in Genesis 2, we see three, uh, three uh, descriptions of what, uh, or three steps, uh, uh, going in order of what a marriage is all about. So therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. This does not mean to neglect your parents, It means that you leave them and you um, move on and uh, you hold fast to the wife. That is, uh, of course, you never want to leave your father and mother. We're actually, we're called to serve and love them in their elderly state, right? We're called to uh, uh, care for them, uh, for our parents as they uh, become older. And uh, there we are as children to take care of our father and mother. Uh, But in light of marriage, uh, it is in the design where we leave the father and mother. And what do we do? We... We hold fast to wife, right? Here we look at marriage, and uh, we, we see the estate of marriage and God's gift of marriage given here. And therefore, uh, when we look at uh, holding fast to wife, then we become one flesh. So leave father and mother, right? Hold fast to wife, that is marriage, and become one, fa- one flesh, this union. Also seen in the physical sense, uh, the sexual uh, nature of marriage as well, the gift that God has given to us um, in sex uh, with our, uh, with our uh, husband or wife. And clearly we see right here uh, that this is the design of God. Now, as we know, uh, as it reads in uh, Mark 10, as Jesus would say, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Uh, Jesus reiterates uh, the words of Genesis and he continues and says, uh, no longer two, but of one flesh, and what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So this is God's good gift of marriage, and let not man separate. That what God gives to us in our marriage uh, is is of a great gift. I always tell people, when you look at one another, this is who God has given you. Right? This is the gift uh, that God has given you to love and serve and to sacrifice. as it reads um, in Ephesians 5 that we husbands, women, submit to your husbands, right? And I, I think quickly there's an outcry of, oh wait, wait, what do you mean women have to submit? But when we talk about husbands, what are they, what are the women or what is the wife? called to submit to, and that is the husband sacrificing his whole life, his whole being for his wife, right? So when we look at the gift of marriage, just as Christ died for his bride, the church, as it says in Ephesians 5, uh, when we look at marriage, this is uh, what the man is supposed to do. He is supposed to Look out for the welfare of his wife. He is called to love and serve his wife, honor her, and cherish her, just like Christ died for his bride, the church. And therefore, when we talk about marriage, this is very important, the steps. Right? When we switch the steps around, we see a problem here. Because when we're going against God's word, inevitably we will see that problem. For example, if you have someone who is clinging to the father and mother and not their spouse, we very well know what could happen in that marriage. There's a lot of division and, and uh, the, the, the spouse might say, why are you listen to your parents? I'm right here. I'm your spouse. Uh, we, we're in this marriage together. Uh, this is what is rooted in our marriage that God has called us to be holding fa- fast to spouse uh, and, and how much the father and mother can interfere with many of the things that a marriage uh, should be centered on that man and, man and woman, that husband and wife, right? Uh, so, again, when we uh, emphasize and we fail to leave the father and mother, not again, not to neglect them, it's just to move on and, and uh, um, have a, a, a marriage uh, here with the wife, um, we see a lot of problems a lot of conflicts within relationships, and rightfully so. I mean, we, we see the, the picture here of what God has given to us. Um, Another uh, cautionary uh, kind of word for you is, you know, we live in a day and age where sexuality, uh, a lot of times people will say, what? I want to move in together. I want to move in first before I'm married because I want to try it out. I want to see if I can live with this person, if I can love this person, or even if it's an economically more feasible reality that uh, living apart is just too expensive. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why or justifications or excuses on why people do these things. But again, when we cohabitate, we're failing to see the order in which God gives. And when that happens, though we think we know what we're dealing with when it comes to love and relationship, quickly we find out when we go um, um, disordered from this relationship, we see how it can morph, or this relationship can morph into something what it is not, right? So, for example, uh, let's say um, you become flesh, that is sex before marriage, premarital sex, right? Living together, premarital sex. Uh, the, 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 the issue here is that not only is it going against what the Lord says, do not let Uh, What does this say? Uh, In Hebrews 13, verse 4, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Right? For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Now, this is, again, this is the way in which we see the studies, even in by worldly institutions, how living together has higher divorce rates. That's just the reality. Living together before a marriage will result in higher divorce rates. And um, I, I think when we look at this order... If we think that uh, we're going to try it out first and see how it's going to be, we're going to live together, we're going we're to have sex before marriage, we're just going to see if we love each other, what happens is, because we're weak in our sinful flesh, uh, the flesh becomes the foundation of your relationship. And as sinners, we very well know how fickle we are in the flesh. If the flesh is the foundation of your relationship, in this disord- disordered uh, design as we disobey God's word, we very well know how much of a struggle there is, right? Um, and um, I think this is uh, uh, something that we fail to see, that when the flesh becomes, the physical nature of, of, of a relationship becomes the, the foundation of this relationship, um, basically what happens is it's substituted or it is uh, put in when what is put out is, is the Word of God and His design. And when that happens, that relationship can morph into something very different, something very fleshly. And um, there will be struggle there if the foundation isn't correct. Right? So, so when we talk about God's gift of marriage, you know, for those who are uh, not married yet, who are in relationships, I pray that you, you take heed to God's word here because this is very important for you. I know we live in an age, uh, a sexual age, where it's no big deal. But God's Word is a big deal, right? God's Word tells us what to do because it is good for us. It gives us a, a fruitful marriage, a, a marriage that is grounded in God's Word, um, and a marriage that um, is rooted in faith. And I, I think that's something that we need to really talk about. So if you're dealing with this right now, I urge you to repent, you know, to, to turn from your ways and, and to seek the Lord in His Word. Uh, because uh, this is what is really happening and um, living in this age my friends for you that are young um, I pray that you'll if you're a man out there uh, you will do what is best for that person in your life that woman in your life right um, and you will love her all by the Word of God that is and for woman this is the man that you want uh, someone who will adhere to the what God's word and honor you through the lens of God's word which shows us this design right so really uh, for you young people out there pray about your your mate uh, pray about uh, this constantly as this is one of the most important decisions of your life other than college and jobs and what you're gonna eat for lunch well you're not that that's always in and out but anyways uh, <laughs> but these, these are very important decisions uh, that you have and it's a prayerful one to know this order, and to know that you will have someone who knows of this order and adheres to it. Because I know how um, easy the flesh can fall in the guise of love. Right? I love this person. Why not partake? Why not live together? What's the big deal? Right? When in fact, uh, when we look at God's Word, it definitely He definitely, our great architect, our Father, shows us what this order is and shows us Uh, what happens when we go in different order, right? So the order is very important. Um, Okay, so God's gift of marriage. Um, So for those who are, again, those who are uh, uh, preparing for marriage or uh, are in a relationship before marriage, really take hold of this. Uh, But those within marriage right now, remember, uh, when we talk about lust, we must ask ourselves, do we lust? Uh, you know, in marriages, we know how it, it can be a struggle at times. And, and there are many temptations out there like pornography that can destroy relationships. Right. So a uh, lust or pornography, all these things, I think the world will say, what's the big deal? It's not hurting anyone. Uh, but when we talk about, um, uh, sexually explicit material, we know that even within marriage, uh, there is a great attack on that marriage through outside things. And that is rooted in lust, as it says in the Bible: um, "Whoever looks upon a woman has already committed adultery." And that is lust, right? Because when we're looking away, uh, we are within marriage. Uh, not only are we not honoring our spouse, but we're uh, we're failing to trust in what God has given to us in this gift of marriage, right? So you see clearly that uh, when we talk about sexual sins. Um, Uh, this is not just premarital but this is during our marriage right that uh, god says honor your husband and wife honor your husband or wife um and um i think when we talk about uh uh the the temptations of the flesh they're real um and um i i think it's something that we need to really put not sweep under the rug but really talk honestly about because uh, this is how satan works this is how the flesh works Uh, this is how the world will tear us away from Uh, what this real what a real relationship looks like right according to God's Word uh, versus uh, you know um, uh, the temptations of the flesh so clearly we see right here uh, God uh, shows us uh, uh, what it means to live sexually pure and decent lives again as we continue here with God's gift of marriage we, we uh, we speak of uh, so far we start, uh, speak of this relationship that God has given to us. Uh, but again, uh, when we talk about man and woman in this day and age, I know um, uh, homosexuality is a big deal. Uh, it's something that is talked about in the media. It's what people are going through this day, and and I know it's a it's always a hot button issue uh, that that is a difficult one in a sense of uh, knowing how to speak out of truth and love and. I think, honestly, it's simply uh, when we think of uh, what God has designed, uh, we trust in His, in his order. And um, I think when we talk about homosexuality, uh, as it reads in the Bible, um, there in uh, Romans 1, 24 and 26 and 27, it reads, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. Uh, So we are, uh, again, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves nor the greedy nor drunkards nor revilers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of god again you know when we talk about uh uh, the reality of homosexuality uh this is a again in the world today um uh, we always need to go back to the word of god and what it says you know what does the word say and really uh really put that in our own minds and hearts knowing that this is what God desires for us. Now we're all sinners. We, all of us are. And, and there are people out there that are um, uh, What well, we talk about these uh, natural relations versus unnatural relations um, how they can convince themselves that this is okay but at the end of the day we, we need to call uh, it for what it is because well this is where we see it in the Bible and um, it's something that is a, a difficult matter because You know, when we talk about sin and persisting in sin, um, I know the devil will always tell us so many different reasons why we uh, we can believe what we want to believe. But according to the word of God, and these are called to be sin, Um, premarital sex, pornography, homosexuality, all sexual sins. And uh, it is a call to repentance. It's a call to repentance knowing that this is a sin, right? Uh, you know, Christians, we, we love all people. We all do. Uh, but our, our, our call to life is to uh, give people the love of Christ uh, and to show people why they need Christ. It's because we're sinners, right? Mm-hmm. We, we're sinners. We, we need uh, His love. Uh, we need what He gives by the gospel. Uh, we need the death and resurrection of Christ. Uh, we need the remedy, the forgiveness of sins that is uh, given to us by our Savior. Uh, but at the same time, we repent, right? We repent of what we have done. And we cannot, we cannot go around the reality that uh, there are sexual sins out there that are in need of repentance, right? Knowing that they're sinful. Praying to the Lord that he may uh, turn us away from those sins. And I know uh, for those of you out there, it's a struggle. Right? It's a heavy struggle that uh, in so many different ways uh, can be uh, very heavy for you. But, but the Lord is good, and he, he calls us to repentance. He calls us, and He gives us His forgiveness, and um, there we are. So I, I just pray that uh, you may uh, take the Word for what it is and really dig in the Word, because I think that's where we, that is where the onion is really stripped apart. I guess that's what they call it, right? Uh, that's where we, we really are naked to see what we're really dealing with here. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's not about what the world says, but it's about what the Word says. And that's what we hide behind. right? That's what we have. uh, Because this is our truth. I mean, that's the bottom line. Fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Are we doing this? Uh, And and there's no levels again, you guys. It's it's all about knowing uh, uh, that call to repentance, the need of Christ for the sins that we have committed you know, and, and that is the key uh, of knowing um, as we deal with the various sexual sins in this world. Now, be wary, my friends, because the world will say otherwise. Media will say otherwise. The devil, on top of it, will will do his duty uh, to, to tear you away from God's Word. Uh, really go to God's Word and study it. Romans 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 6. You can go to, even go to, I believe, Leviticus. Uh, there you'll see many uh, uh, points uh, concerning sexual sins. And um, uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is very important for you, for your well-being. Um, Ephesians 5 reads, verses 3 to 4, uh, But sexual, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Right? Uh, the struggle is real. And uh, we are called in this uh, to really struggle with it, to repent, to seek the Lord's forgiveness, to struggle with what we're dealing with in our uh, sexual sins. And I think this is uh, something that uh, we really need to pray about and uh, dig in the Word about because uh, it is real, my friends. It is. And um, it's important to address it uh okay as we continue here uh god um as we talk about uh the conclusion of this uh what does it mean uh, to honor uh the estate of marriage that is to love honor and respect each other the wife is a husband's god-given helper and the husband is the wife's god-given head right uh it says uh in ephesians 5 as we said earlier 21 Uh, to 23 and also 25, uh, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So remember, this is the gift that God has given to you in your marriage. This is a person that God has placed in your life to love and serve and to sacrifice everything for just as Christ has died for his bride, the church. And when we don't, what do we do? The law shows us at the end of the day, what? Shows us the mirror, the reflection that we are sinners, calling us to repentance. That is confessing our sins with great contrition. That is the sorrow for what we have done against God and neighbor. We repent, right? And there in faith, we see Christ and His forgiveness, knowing that by the blood of the cross, as a Lamb sacrificed Himself, there for us, our sins are forgiven. Repentance and forgiveness. That is the main thrust of the law, because at the end of the day, no matter how good we think we are, uh, we very well know if we truly examine our hearts that we ought to repent for the sins that we have done. Uh, whether they're uh, covetousness or sexual sins, or not honoring uh, the estate of marriage, uh, the law shows us um, at the end of the day, that we ought to repent, right, and that we need Christ's forgiveness, and there in faith we have this very gift. Um, so remember, guys, um, as you as we go over this lesson here, uh, I think it's very important that uh, uh, when we see the law, it's easy to say, "Uh oh, I haven't followed it," right? Um, uh, but when we're when we have that sting of the law, right? In faith, it does bring us to repentance by the power of the Holy Spirit, convicting our hearts of what we have done. And also in faith, it points us to the gospel, the final uh, remedy that is Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So whatever you're struggling with, repent, because Christ is there for you, dying on the cross for your sins. And that is the end-all be-all, the gospel, right? Uh, May this be your true comfort as you face... Uh, the weakness of our flesh, uh, knowing full well that in Him uh, we have all things, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Uh, May the Lord uh, guide you this day, and may this be fruitful to you as you continue uh, to walk according to His Word and ultimately according to the comfort of the Gospel, the blood of Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. All right. Well, have a blessed day, and until next time, hopefully it won't be too long. (laughs) We'll see you again, and uh, good day. God bless, and adios. Thanks for listening to this study on Luther's small catechism. We hope this was helpful as you grow in the Christian faith and study of the Bible. For more information about Faith Lutheran Church, visit us on the web at faith morepark.com